Hey everybody, Pastor Matt here. Glad we could uh, be here together to be able to hopefully sort through some things that I believe our church, and then if you happen to be looking in from the outside of our church, that we need to make sure that we are truly ready for and allowing ourselves to do this particular piece that life brings along. Because sometimes this is something we just don't want to do. But before we get into that, if you happen to be peeking in, my name is Matthew Perry. I'm lead pastor at Arapahoe Road Baptist Church in Centennial, Colorado, in the South Denver metro area. And if you happen to be in the area on a Sunday morning, we'd love for you to come by. We start at 1030. And uh, you may see where it says 1031, but that's a way for us to just be remembered that uh, whatever you eat, whatever you drink, whatever you do, due to the glory of God, which is found in 1 Corinthians 1031. We also have a Sunday morning Bible study where we go through books of the Bible. And it starts at 9 o'clock. And I know you'll be able to find a class to be able to fit in. Um, our goal is to connect all people to the truth and hope in Jesus. And a big piece of that is not only equipping in the word and exalting Christ in worship, but to be engaged in gospel community, as well as embracing the Great Commission. And I think it's important for us to make sure that we are realizing that and seeing the urgency of that. What I'm going to talk to you about is something that, um, at least in my Southern Baptist world, in that Southern Baptist track we tend to lean away from, whereas there seems to be other denominations that don't have a problem with this. I, I recently wrote an article at a, at a new newsletter. I've started taking some of my blog posts and I've been putting them over into Substack. And so I have a new newsletter that I'm doing called Bear Forests. And the reason I'm calling it Bear Forests is because from Psalm 29, 7, it talks about how the voice of the Lord strips the forest bare. And that's what needs to happen with us, I believe. He needs to get, we need to get down to just the bare bones basics of what God is calling us to be in his word, rather than trying to excuse it away, be apathetic about it, or to add to it, or to take it away from it. Either way, we, so the, in the Bear Forest newsletter, I'm just going to share the screen here, because sometimes it's easier to do than others. And so this is the, this is it. And so you can see it up here bearforests.substack.com. And one of the things, uh, one of the articles that I wrote was, Dear Christian, sad is not bad. We need to develop a theology, develop and own a theology of sadness. While I'm going to let you look at that, I did want to refer to a couple of things that are in this particular article. And one is this, while we all have different ways to grieve, grieve we must when loss arrives. We tend to embrace a sad as bad worldview when grief and lament are ways God wired us for healing and reliance on him. I feel like I have to say that because we tend to think that anything that is sad is bad. And I, I bring up a couple of examples in it, and I'll, uh, I'll let you read it as um, time permits. And I hope you'll subscribe to it because I'm hoping that we can just come along together as a great community to be able to sort through what God has for us and the and the things that that life brings us, but I, you know, you just kind of notice it sometimes with funerals. Now they're not called funerals, um, memorials. That captures a bit of it, but sometimes it's called celebrations of life. I think that's important. I think you need to celebrate, especially if it was a life that was lived fully for Christ. I think that's a celebration you need to have. I mean, there are honestly some lives that we see because of the character and the way that they, they behave toward other people, you got to be careful to, about whether to celebrate that. But what tends to be 
unsaid in that is an avoidance of dealing with the grief of death at a funeral, right? So there, there are just sometimes when people don't want the fact that their loved one, who is clearly not alive anymore, to be referred to them as dead or even passed away, which passed away, um, I, I, you won't find that in the Bible. The way you'll find it in the scriptures is they're either talked about that they're dead or that they're asleep. But both of those is a recognition that life has ceased to exist here. And that is the nature of things here. We are not going to live forever. The, the issue, though, is how do we deal with that? Now, some people deal with grief in all sorts of different ways. But what we've got to be careful of is, is two things. Let's talk about us personally. One, we've got to give our, ourselves permission to grieve. Grief is not a weakness. I'm going to say that a little louder for those in the back. Grief is not a weakness. Grief is how God wired us. Jesus wept over the death of his friend Lazarus. And it wasn't because Jesus was inept in raising Lazarus, which we see that he does, and we know that he is the resurrection and the life in John 11, 25, and 26. What we do know, though, is that death was not a part of the original plan of earth. We, as sinners, brought that in. We brought in that curse, and we were warned all the way back in Genesis 2. We were warned not to do that, to make sure that we are listening to what God has said about how his, how his world is supposed to be run. So death is a part of life. It's going to happen. I, it, earlier on this year, on March the 1st, you know, we lost our dog. This has been really, that was really the first time that my kids were, were confronted up front with the death of a loved one. Well, then recently there was um, the mom of their best friends who was killed in a hit and run. We're going to be doing that funeral on the 23rd. That is difficult for us to deal with. And sorting through the grief and the anger of not being able to find that guy, the sadness that is there, one, you know, just not only the actual act, but just seeing the grief that's happening with the family, with the church. I'm still trying to, to, to sort through it. But, you know, we can't just power through. They're going to have to be, they're going to have to be some times when we are going to have to come to the reality of this significant loss and these significant losses that happened. So my wife and I, we went to Hawaii. Our church got us a 10th anniversary gift, not our 10th anniversary, but 10th anniversary here at the church. And it was just a, a sweet gift they gave us. So we went, got back on the 19th while I was gone. Two of our members passed away, passed away, died. And now, and since then, there were three more that died. So after I got back from, it'll be from September 28th to November 1st, it'll be five funerals. There's, there's three this week. I have not been in a period where that has happened like that. But I'm seeing all sorts of people respond to this in, in certain ways. So we have to allow ourselves an, an avenue of grief. Now, here's what I want you to do and how you are dealing with other people. 
I love what Robin Grate says. She's a member of our church, and she says, you know, grief has no timeline. We've got to be careful not to put a timeline on people's grief. Well, you should be over that by now, you know. And we've got to make sure that we're not putting the way that we grieve onto other people. So if you, okay, I'll just give you an example. If something were to happen to my wife, she is my she is my best friend. She is, I just think she is just the, the, the best thing that God made on this earth on two feet. I just think she is fantastic. If something were to ever happen to her, I would probably end up having to go away for about two months, not go away like you hear colloquially, but I would, I would have to take some time. I would have to get out of here. I would need to be um, not, I could, I would have to stop. I say two months, you know, I know people would look at me and they're like, well, you, you know, the best way you, you should, you should go about that is just to keep going. Okay. Well, that's you for me. That wouldn't be, I, I wouldn't be much. I know that about myself because I remember when my nephew when he was killed in a car accident, he was only 18 years old. Um, hey, I was, I was a mess. And we've got to just be very, very careful how we project, how we would go about things and our timeline of things onto somebody else. You, we have to give everybody room to grieve how they want to grieve. But I think all of this is a symptom of the fact that we think sad is bad. You know, I was a music minister, and every so often, so, you know, the guys that would um, be pastoring, he would they would come up to me and they would be like, you know, uh, play something peppy. Okay, well, that usually meant it was something that was in four four, and it meant it was in major, and it meant it was quick. That's what they usually meant. Um, we don't allow space in our services, especially as Southern Baptists and especially those that are wanting to reach people, what they mean is, is that they don't want to do anything that's going to put them off or be slow or be contemplative or be reflective. We have tended to lose that. We want to keep things going. We went up to our annual meeting recently and one of the one of the gentlemen that was speaking up there was talking about how prayer in our worship services is usually simply for the musicians to get where they need to be. And well, I don't want, I don't want that. And I'm, I've gotten so used to that routine. I've got to think through what that looks like. We have got to allow ourselves to recognize the brokenness that is found in this world. There are a lot of laments in the Psalms. And while the majority of those psalms do have laments, there's one psalm, Psalm 88, that does not have a resolution. All of them are usually like, God, why are you doing this? Why is this happening? Why are you letting this go? Da 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 da. da. But I know you're awesome. But I know you're God. Psalm 88 is one of those where there's no resolution. And I'm glad that's in there because you may not have that resolution immediately, but you will have himself. And that was the message of Job. Job didn't get an answer, but Job got God. Job didn't get the and and I think that's why there is a um I'm I'm just gonna go ahead and look this up because there is a new song that was put out by um City of Light, I believe. And that song was uh was called 
let me look it up here. It was written for Tim Challies, who lost his son. And Tim Challies wrote a book about this. And I would just recommend you uh, looking it up. Because when, when you read it and listen to it, read the book and you listen to this song, um, I'll just include it in the notes. But it's one of those songs where it's like we have to make sure that we are allowing ourselves. The, the, the premise of that whole song is he gives himself. He gives of himself. He gives of himself. And um, I wasn't expecting to really go into that. Otherwise, I would have had it ready for you. I'll put it in the notes. So I, I just let me land this plane. We got to allow ourselves to grieve because God has given us that gift in order to move for healing. We've got to make sure we're not putting our timeline or our way of grieving onto somebody else. He made us all uniquely. But we also have to realize he's never left us alone. He said he would never leave us or forsake us. And he will be with us, walking with us through, through that in the valley. He gives of himself. Let me know if you have any questions. Love to know more about what you're thinking about this, but we've got to make sure we're getting this right. Thank you.